Welcome to Rhonda NP's Menopause Guide Podcast with Rhonda Jollip, nurse practitioner, hormone expert, and menopause mentor. Balance your menopause experience with natural solutions and regain control to live the life you love. Let's get started. Hi, and welcome to the Menopause Guide Podcast. I'm your co-host, Chris Doctor, and we'll be joined in just a minute by Rhonda Jolliffe. Hey, if this is your first time listening, we are so glad that you're here and you're hanging out with us today. We produce this podcast every week, and you'll be able to find any resources that we mention, as well as our show notes at our website, rhondanp.com. Today's episode is called Major Versus Minor Hormones. What's the difference? At the time that we're recording this episode, it's late October, Rhonda just got back from a big speaking engagement at the Great Lakes Conference, which was held in the Minneapolis area. We are going to talk a little bit about that conference and how what she presented there is one of our big concepts here that we're going to dive into today. So just a quick little preview of this episode. We're going to talk about the evolution of the practice of medicine, and in particular, Rhonda's evolution and how she treats menopausal women and how that has evolved over the past five years to a place where she really sees some fantastic results with her patients. We're going to talk about the major hormones of adrenaline, cortisol, and insulin, and why getting these in balance through lifestyle choices really supports the minor hormones of progesterone, testosterone, and the thyroid. We are also going to talk about these hormones in relation to fatigue, stress, and exercise. And Rhonda's philosophy on exercise might surprise you just a little bit. There's a lot of great information in this episode, so let's get started. Okay, today's episode, we are going to get started here. Rhonda, before we get started, I would love if you could share with our listeners where you were last week. It was a pretty big deal. Yeah, it was. Uh, It was the Great Lakes Conference, which has been put on for, actually next year will be their 15th year, and it's for healthcare practitioners to learn about more about functional medicine and keep up with things. There's CME involved, and they always have some awesome speakers. I've actually been going to it for quite a few years, and to be asked to speak at it was really a, a... just a really great opportunity for me. So what did you, what was your talk on? What did you talk about? Well, my topic was on hormones. Of Of course. course. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I did a really overview of the major hormones, the minor hormones. I talked about lifestyle changes that you can do to help balance out your hormones. That was the main talk. It was two hours long. Could have talked for four. How how many slides did you have? Well, I had 176 slides. Oh my God. So it was kind of hard to get through the 176 slides in that short period of time, but I got through it. And how many uh, practitioners were there? There was close to 400. Oh my gosh. Cool. Yeah, it was in the Minneapolis area. Oh, wonderful. Well, good. Well, you know, I think that the reason I bring it up is I, I really believe that some of the concepts we're going to talk about in this episode are sometimes a little bit, uh, the way you practice are a little bit different than traditional medicine. So we'll get into that a little later. But um, this episode is about um, major versus minor hormones, rather. And um, so we're going to dive right into it. And I think in uh, menopause, when we talk about um, the sex hormones or estrogen and progesterone, we're really, as women, focused on those hormones because 
for years, we've either been trying to get pregnant or not trying to get pregnant. So we really kind of understand what those are all about, but really those are minor players in menopause. Can we talk a little bit about that? Right, yeah. Interesting why they call it the practice of medicine, because it is an ongoing practice. We, When we learn new things, new research comes out, we change how we do things. So 20 years ago, when a woman would come in and I started bioidentical hormone replacement, that's the very first thing I would do is put them on hormone replacement. Now I look at, there's a different process that I go through, and it's really about getting your body healthy, supporting your major hormones, and I'll get into that in a bit, Um, but really when you support those, your need for the minor hormones, which are the progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, and thyroid, aren't as much. Okay, okay. Well, why don't you just dive into, you know, teach us, Rhonda, without your 172 slides (laughs) about these major and minor hormones. Okay, so the first time I heard this was through Dr. Schwartzbein. A book called The Schwartzbein Principle. And she explained it so well, and I really like the concept. And so I kind of use those terms. And it's major are the major hormones that we actually need for life sustaining. They're called life sustaining because if you don't have them, you die. And those are adrenaline, cortisol, and insulin. Okay. And so those are the three major hormones. If you do not get those in balance and all you're doing is supporting the minor hormones, which are progesterone, estrogen, testosterone, and thyroid, (laughs) then, I don't know why I was blank on thyroid, uh, then you really don't get as, as good of results. So probably about five years ago, maybe seven years now, I've been really focusing on getting those major hormones under control first, and the minors come along. And it's interesting because one day I had the compounding pharmacist ask me, he said, you know, you're really not prescribing much hormone anymore. Is there a reason why? Is it something I've done whatever? (laughs) And I'm like, well, interesting that you would say that because I do prescribe a lot less because if people really focus on the major hormones, which have to do more with lifestyle choices, and they really focus on that, they actually get better and very few, a lot fewer, I should say, need hormone replacement. Wow. Okay, so tell me, let's just make up a patient. What does that look like when someone comes in, when you have to focus on the, their major hormones? What, what, what do you talk to that person about? Right. Great question. The very first thing I ask them is, do you have any stress in your life? Let's oh, talk about it. Okay. And they look at me like, are you kidding? Uh, yeah. And so I said, "How? when did your stress start? The majority of women will say their stress started right around their early 30s when they started having babies and were working. Right. So it's a very common thing. Okay. So keep in mind, pregnancy is a huge hormonal change. Mm-hmm. You're, let's just say you're 30 years old. You get pregnant. You get pregnant. You breastfeed. You're pregnant for a year. Mm-hmm. You breastfeed for a year. And while you're doing all that, you're working like you used to in your 20s. And so it kind of starts then. And sometimes women do really well when they're first baby, but I will hear very uh, many women say, okay, it was after my second child. Mm -hmm. And that actually is when our hormones really take a hit because now you have a little one at home, you're still working, you haven't made any adjustments, and... And you've now taken on another baby. And then it might even be a third and a fourth. And if a woman tells me that she's still working after three children, 
I know she's very stressed. That's all I need to know because it takes a hit on your whole hormonal system. So then I get into what are some of the symptoms you've been experiencing. And if you really look at it, the number one complaint for most women is fatigue. And fatigue really comes from the adrenal system. That really is our energy system, and that's our cortisol, adrenaline, and so that is where our energy comes from. So if if a, a patient, made-up patient lady, comes in and she has stress, what, what would be the next step? What would you talk to her about? So I don't think we're doing a favor to any woman in menopause if we really don't hammer that down. Okay. I have to be honest on that. And I'm very, very honest with my patients. It's like, let's take a look at what you have on your plate. Mm -hmm. So everything you had on your plate up until this whole menopause thing, you might have handled just fine, or maybe you didn't. Now you need to adjust. And that's different for everyone. So Mm -hmm. I, I really actually sit down with them and say, okay, what are you all doing? And then I'm like, okay, what can you take away? Because you have to take something away. And if it's so much as getting a house cleaner, get a house cleaner. If it's so much as just simply um, giving up a committee that you're on, give up that committee. Uh, So sometimes it's very simple things, but you really can't handle the stress the way you used to because of the way your hormones are changing. So it's not about, it's, it's not about this woman has more stress than this woman. It's about your body and how your body is handling that stress. Okay. And that's cortisol. Okay, so if that's cortisol, what's the relationship of cortisol with adrenaline then? So adrenaline really is a life-sustaining hormone. Adrenaline is our fight or flight, and so we need adrenaline. We need adrenaline for our blood pressure. We need adrenaline if if a, a lion came up behind you, you would want to run. Yes, I and would. So, yes, you would. <laughs> and so you've heard stories about um, people that literally have lifted up cars and mm-hmm. done things. That's adrenaline. It, it just starts pouring out under time of immediate acute stress. Mm-hmm. Adrenaline will pour out cortisol as well however the daily stressors the cortisol will continue to rise and rise and rise if you have daily stressors and so when you have a rise in your cortisol level it really affects your whole hormonal system so those are our two major hormones adrenaline and cortisol that come from our adrenal glands okay okay so you would if someone comes in really stressed then their adrenal glands are Stressed. screaming and stressed. they're screaming yeah yep. yep and i can do some testing on that but i don't need testing i just know it is now some people like numbers and some people like to see little graphs and so i might do a test just to show them here's what it is but i can pretty much assume just by listening to the history of the woman that they've been under a lot of stress now keep in mind stress is physical stress which is changes in our body as well. So hormones, changes in hormones will actually create physical stress to the body. And then there's emotional stress and environmental, such as our jobs and things that are going on at home. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of things that can cause stress. Okay. So how does insulin come into play then as a major hormone? Okay. Insulin comes from our pancreas, the gland of our pancreas, and it really is the regulator of blood sugar. So managing of insulin has a lot to do with dietary changes and lifestyles such as exercise. And also increased cortisol will increase insulin levels. So that can cause a whole thing in itself where people actually can become a diabetic just from the amount of stress that they're under. 
So, okay, so I am a uh, self-confessed adrenaline junkie, and <laughs> I, um, for years, you know, just lived and, you know, functioned uh, with my stress and on adrenaline. And part of the way that I got some stress relief was through running and exercise. But in menopause, is that the best way to kind of uh, even everything out? Oh, that's such a great question. I must have talked to you about this already. (laughs) Disclosure. (laughs) Disclosure. (laughs) So when I say slowing down exercise, that doesn't mean stop exercising. It really is looking at what type of exercising you're doing. So if you're doing long runs or even 45 to an hour walks, you might want to just back down on the time of that. So a shorter run in conjunction with some weightlifting um, and for your bones and really looking at exercise as a form of different types of exercising, especially flexibility, uh, core work, and not as much hard cardio. So do you... Cardio, do you want any cardio? I do like a little cardio, but simple, you know, a a 10 to 15 minute walk, maybe a couple times a day really is suffice. I do recommend rest days where you don't do hardly any exercise, just some, you know, being active is really Mm. important, but not any major cardio um, every day of the week. Okay, that makes sense. So let's transition now into the other part of this episode, which is the minor hormones. So could we go a little bit into the minor hormones? Well, the four minor hormones that I I really look at the most are estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, and thyroid. And interestingly enough, we're in a world on the internet that there's so much information on thyroid. I know, that seems to be everywhere. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. And so I have to kind of back people down because everybody, I have a lot of women coming in and say, I have a thyroid problem. Mm -hmm. And if you look at the symptoms of thyroid, they're very close to the symptoms of adrenal. And most people, it's their adrenal glands that are causing the havoc on the thyroid. So when I get levels and people say, okay, well, the normal levels aren't aren't what they should be. When I get levels of thyroid, um, a one to two, I kind of like to keep the TSH between one and two. If it's a three or four, that's high, mm-hmm. but that might be high because it's coming from the adrenal system. So I might not jump to put them on thyroid medication. I'll work with them on their adrenals. And when you do that, their thyroid starts to heal. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about... Um, The other one, which is a minor one that we don't often think about for women is testosterone. Oh, yes. Yeah. Testosterone is a real vital hormone in women. We obviously don't have as much as men, um, but it is really important for many things, brain function, bones, heart. So there's a lot to that. Now, I don't give hormone replacement of testosterone unless they're really low. So that is where I would definitely get levels. One thing about how do you know if your hormones are low, getting testing is um, important, but it's not a must. So I can take some, and probably it's because I've been practicing for so long when I listen to women Mm -hmm. and I listen to their symptoms, I actually can say, well, you're low in estrogen, you're low in progesterone. And you might even be a little high in testosterone because it's not like the level's too high, but actually you're so depleted in estrogen and progesterone that now your testosterone is in the normal range, but it's out of balance. Okay. So it's all about balance. You might have enough. They all might be in the normal ranges on labs, but one's on the high end and one's on the low end. So it's more of an imbalance. Okay. 
Do women during perimenopause and menopause uh, produce more testosterone? They don't really produce more. Okay. They produce the same. It doesn't deplete okay. as quickly. It's a really slower process of depletion, unless for the women that have had their ovaries removed, mm-hmm. uh, because most of our testosterone is secreted from our adrenal system, uh, but some is from the ovaries as well. If you had your ovaries removed, uh, many of those women are depleted in testosterone, and those are the women that I generally like to get labs on. Okay. So speaking of labs, um, how do we know if we're in in balance? How does an average woman know if she's in balance? You know, she's feeling terrible for any number of reasons. You know, how do you know? Well, again, if I listen to symptoms and I have a symptom checklist, I can kind of figure it out just from the symptoms. But there's many times that I, I, I'd like to get labs. And so I do blood work on most women. Uh, I don't have to, but it's kind of nice to see where their baseline is mm-hmm. and see what I can do to help them and see which is really off on labs. So I do a variety of labs to get that information. So I know we're going to have a future uh, podcast about labs specifically and we'll go into some really deep detail on that but at a high level here what type of tests um, do you order for your patients or can our listeners think about asking their health care practitioner what what type of tests would you recommend sure there's there's a varying degrees of people that think saliva testing is better blood testing is better urine testing is better um actually they all play a role And so I do serum testing, which is blood testing. I will do blood testing. I'll do saliva for certain things. Mm -hmm. If someone really wants to know how bad their cortisol really is, I choose the saliva test. But for the estrogen, progesterone, testosterone, the serum or blood testing is fine. Okay. Urine testing, uh, like for metabolites of estrogens, and that gets a little more complicated, but that has a really good role as well. Now, if you go to certain practitioners, natural practitioners, uh, they all have their favorites. Mm -hmm. So I use a little bit of everything, but you might go to a a doctor, a naturopath, or you know, a holistic medicine doctor that does bioidenticals, and they choose to do all urine testing. So it kind of depends practitioner to practitioner. Okay, okay. So I think the main point here is that um, our listener is comfortable and trusts their practitioner. I think that's really important, right? That's a really big deal. Yeah. Really big deal. Yeah. Because everybody's a little different how they practice, like you said, the practice Mm -hmm. of medicine. Mm -hmm. So, So any final thoughts on any of these big topics of major and minor hormones? Well, obviously, this is can be really complicated, so I'm trying to make it simple. Uh, we'll be getting into a few deeper things in, in future podcasts, I'm sure, uh, to kind of break these down. But this is really kind of an overview that you really need to look at your lifestyle changes because that's what's making the biggest difference on your cortisol, insulin, and adrenaline, which are your major hormones, and that will support and help your minor hormones. Perfect, perfect. So as we wrap up, we want to let you know that we will have a a freebie or a resource guide for you on this lesson. It is our uh, Menopause 101 Hormone Dictionary, and you can find uh, that download at our website, rondanp.com. So thank you so much, and we are so glad you joined us. Thanks, Rhonda. Thank you. We appreciate you spend some time with us today. We hope you come back often and feel free to add the Menopause Guide podcast to your favorite RSS feed or subscribe on iTunes.
You can follow us on Facebook or Rhonda on Twitter at Rhonda Jolliffe. Hey, if you like what you hear, jump on over to iTunes and give us a review so other women can find these resources when they really need them. Leaving a review is super simple. Just navigate to the top of our podcast page and you'll see ratings and reviews and you can click on write a review. In the same place, you can also subscribe to the podcast or share on social media. Until next time, thanks for joining us. Thanks for joining the Menopause Guide podcast with Rhonda N.P. You'll find the show notes and other valuable information at our website, rhondanp.com. Don't worry about this menopause thing. You've got this.